Welcome to Making Connections, episode six. Today with Scott Edwards and Scott Neville. Uh, this was a very big interview for us, you know, back to back, not too shabby. So, uh, Scott, take it over. Yeah, so we had Tony Maserati today uh, from 98.5 The Sports Hub, and uh, he gave a lot of really good insight, uh, really building on something from the last episode, I think. Uh, and we're just hammering away these interviews. So, um, here is Tony Maserati. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I lost track of time. Nah, it's all good. No worries. You guys can hear me okay? Yes. Yep. Okay, great. Oh my gosh, I am so, so sorry. Please. It's nah. okay. It, we know you're a busy guy, so there's no worries here. I'm, I'm glad you guys are still here. Yeah, you, I mean, it makes sense. You got your big time us if you want right now. I know that's not what you did, but you, you can if you feel like it. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. Not at all. Anyway, you guys go ahead. Okay, okay. Uh, so, uh, Scott, you want to start it? Yeah, so the first question, actually it wasn't even a question, but um, so we had Chris Mason was the first person uh, we had on this, and uh, we also had Michael Hurley, and they both, Michael Hurley brought Chris Mason to you because they both thought you were a good mentor. Um, so I just want to say you've been connected to this whole thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was fascinating. Um, and that's why that's I was... a, Yeah, that's a scary thing that someone regards me as a good mentor. I'm not sure I'm the person you necessarily want to, <laughs> um, uh, you know, want to emulate. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, uh, both of those guys I obviously worked with when we were in um, uh, uh, Brighton at the other studio when we mm. were a CBS property. And mm. we actually just had Hurley on the show the other day. So, uh, you know, we were kind of busting chops with him a little bit, but, uh, but I like both of those guys. Yeah, we saw some of the, uh, the back and forth on uh, social media today, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, of course, <laughs> always. Uh, so, Tony, uh, we like to start off most of these interviews with a very simple question, you know, just so you can really get a good introduction here. Um, so the simple question is, how did you get started in journalism? So, uh, I, you know, it's not a simple answer other than to say that I always liked sports and I was interested in media from the time I was probably, I'd say, high school. Um, you know, and so we used to have this, you know, closed circuit uh, news show that we did in high school that I was involved in. Um, and then, you know, it just sort of evolved from there. Like I, I, my first goal or love was television media. Um, but then as, you know, time sort of wore on, it was really just about getting in the media period. So when I, by the time I got to college, I, I started writing with the school paper. Um, and then during summer and winter breaks, I started writing for the a community paper that covered four towns near where I grew up. I grew up in Waltham. Uh, actually, I grew up in Watertown and Waltham and lived in, you know, we, my family moved when I was 13. Mm -hmm. So I sort of had one foot in each town, but that paper actually covered that whole area. And I used to, during summer and winter breaks, work as a stringer, a freelancer, and cover high school sports. And college was the first time that I realized I could write about something that I liked. So up until then, yeah. I always regarded writing as sort of a 
something you had to do for school was kind of mm -hmm. a pain. And that all changed when I get to college. It was a class that I had in particular where uh, there was a professor who asked us to write a paper every week, but we could write about whatever we wanted. And so I really sort of took to that. And, you know, and then um, once I graduated college, I got hired basically as an intern at the Herald for, you know, two days a week. Uh, mostly taking high school scores over the phone and stuff like that. And then that turned into a part-time job and a full-time job. And, you know, years later, uh, I became a full-time staff member and started, you know, writing sidebars and things like that. Uh, and then covered UMass basketball one season. The spot on the Red Sox beat opened up and they asked me to do that. So all that was a, a very capsule version of what happened and by the time i got assigned to the red sox i was 27 so there was a you know there's a good if you start at college good call it i don't know eight to ten year period in there where it was just mm -hmm. uh slowly doing little by little waiting for opportunities and hoping you get the chance yeah i started the same way with writing i had, that's weird that you had the exact same story except i was a senior in high school where i didn't like writing and then i had a prof uh teacher that was like write about whatever you want and I started writing about I think the first thing I did was like the like top 10 free agent predictions for like the MLB or something like that and that's sure. how I found out I like writing about sports too so that's crazy yeah yeah there's something to be said about being able to write about what you want rather than uh, some book that you read in high school. <laughs> oh totally yeah. I mean you know so again all of a sudden it was you know it became fun right yeah, it became yeah. fun and it was just uh because let's face it we all have opinions i mean those of us that are sports fans all have opinions on sports mm -hmm. and so the writing became a way to express those opinions right yes. and um you know so whether it was really at the end of the day that's what the media is right it's a it's a, a an ability to sort of say what you're, what's on your mind mm -hmm. and uh whether it's writing radio tv it all sort of falls under the same umbrella and uh so once it, once it morphed into that, I, you know, I really started to, I mean, I really, you know, I enjoy writing now. Back then I hated it until I, I realized it could actually serve me. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. That's true. That's fair. Um, so my next question was, were there any big breaks that you had along the way that really helped you get to where you are right now? Oh, I mean, gosh, there were a million. Um, you know, a lot of it is just being in the right place at the right time. So, you know, I think, um, I mean, let me think of the, you know, the, I, the, the biggest one for us, and I say us because Mike and I, Mike Felger and I have talked about this a lot. I think we've talked about it on the air is that, you know, I got a spot on the Red Sox beat opened up. I got assigned to the Red Sox. They hadn't won anything in 80 years. And I started covering them in basically 95 full time. And I was with the team for about 15 years. And, you know, they won two World Series. They were in the playoffs nine times. So I got the Red Sox at the right time. And, yeah. and Mike got the Patriots at the right time. And so, you know, then we went to the Sports Hub. And in our first year there, we carry the Patriots and the Bruins. The Patriots go to the Super Bowl in our first year there. Uh, and, you know, uh, not long after that, the Bruins win the cup, right? So, I mean, it was some, you know, some crazy stuff there that happened right out of the gate. And I, I shouldn't say our first year there, they went to the Super Bowl. 
it was within the first couple, you know, and then, uh, so, I mean, there were a million spots you sort of look at along the way and say, well, that could have gone differently. Uh, and I got lucky. And, you know, I always tell people when I was at the Herald, uh, and again, I was, I had already graduated from college at that point, but I basically took a paid internship. There was another guy in the same spot that I was in who had graduated from Princeton, you know, was hardworking, really smart. He had come to Boston because his wife was going to Harvard Law School. And when she finished law school, uh, a job opened up and they moved to Philadelphia. So I don't know, you know, had had the Red Sox feed or a job come up before then and he might have gotten it over me. I have no idea. I you know, the point is that a better thing came along for his life. And so he and his wife moved. Yeah. I was able to just kind of sit there and stick it out um, because I was, you know, I was living at home and when the opportunity popped up, I was in the right, right place for it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, a lot of it is just luck. I mean, yeah. as much as you put yourself in, try to put yourself in the right spot. What you can't control is the timing and the opportunity, right? So you just have to hope that you hit it right. And, um, you know, again, I would say anybody who's worked in this business over the last 20 years in Boston has been blessed. It's, there's, there's never been anything like it. We've been really, really lucky. Yeah, I, uh, that's, that's a great point how, you know, as you guys really started to jump in, the Patriots, you know, as you said, we're in a Super Bowl and then the Bruins won, so I – that's that's weird to think about back then because like we've been through so much since then, but yeah, that's uh, it's interesting how life works sometimes. Yeah, and, and look, you know, the, the the point being is that when you are around successful teams, it it really increases your exposure. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, teams get hot, teams start winning, they become popular, everybody starts following them, and because you're around there all the time, now the information that you're putting out there or the opinions you're putting out there matter. And so you'll get calls from ESPN and you'll get on shows across the country. And in the case of Boston, you know, the big show at the time was Ordway's big show on WEI. And, uh, you know, so he started having me on there because the Red Sox was such a a huge talker at that time. And then the Patriots got good and the same thing happened with Mike. So, you know, years later, all of a sudden they want to start a second sports station in town. It's, well, who are we going to go get? Well, these guys were on that other station. You know, we know who they are and that's how it all sort of happened. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think everybody goes into it with this, this idea, this blueprint of this is how it's going to go by the time I graduate college or start working at a paper somewhere or a TV station. And by the time I'm 30, I'll be an anchor on ESPN, right? Like, you know, that's sort of, and it just, it's nice to have that, but it doesn't work that way, right? You mm-hmm. can't really plan it. You just kind of take the best opportunity that comes along at a time where you think it makes sense for you and then wait for it to lead to other opportunities. I mean, you know, that's all you can really do. And certainly you try to work hard, do good work, put yourself in position to capitalize on those, but you never know what's coming or when it's coming and you keep your fingers crossed, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, I just realized when I asked you about the big break thing, too, um, I think that's how we started talking about you with the Chris Mason. I'm pretty sure his answer was when he met with you and basically you told him, you're going to have to grind it out, but I can get you a spot. It was at the Herald, I think, right? Yeah. And 
Yeah, that was his big break. So I feel like you should probably know that. Um, oh, good. Yeah. Um, thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's one of those things. And the same thing happened to me. I mean, I, I, when I was at, uh, I went to Tufts mm-hmm. and there was an old sports columnist um, at the Herald named Tim Horgan who had gone to Tufts. And so, you know, I'll spare you all the details, but there was someone who was on an alumni, you know, in a booster club at Tufts who knew, who went to school with Tim, who knew me, put us together, you know, Tim introduced me to a guy when they were hiring interns and said, yeah, we hire them typically in the fall when high school sports start. And so that's how I got my first chance. Right. And, um, you know, again, it, it, you know, if I'd gone to a different school, who knows? I mean, like, you know, there's just so many little things like that, that we, you know, and everybody has stories like that in every business, but you know, so you can sit there and take credit for them if you want, or you can say, boy, I I lucked out on that one. You know, that, that Mm -hmm. worked out well. And, um, yeah, I started people looking out for me. He was one of them. You know, Mike Lynch at Channel 5 was always a real uh, mentor for me in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, and they gave me opportunities. And, um, you know, you can never, there's no value on that. I mean, you, you need someone to give you a chance. Uh, we've learned that, you know, quickly that it's hard to get into the business. I mean, we're still in college, so we're not too worried sure. yet. But even just getting internships is a hard process so we definitely understand to to a point how difficult it could be yeah and you know in a lot of ways you guys have it harder than i did um because the internships weren't i mean they existed when i was in college but they weren't as you know they became such a vehicle for people of my generation that everybody said oh my gosh this is the way to go Right. And so now they're so competitive and there aren't enough of them for everybody. And uh, so I just think the, the roadmap is much clearer now than it was back then. Mm-hmm. Like at the time, Channel 5 didn't even really have an internship program for weekends. They used to, you know, I used to intern there too. And they used to sneak me in the loading dock, you know, like th- <laughs> there was, that's how they would let me into the building. That's and fantastic. so there, it, there was always sort of a way around it. And, uh, you know, now it just, especially with COVID, you just can't do it, right? right. I mean, there's such limitations on it um, that I don't envy people your age. At the same time, you know, we didn't have the internet. There wasn't the ability to do your own podcast or your own blog or whatever it is, you know, Twitter, and really make yourself uh, seen or noticed. But it's hard because there are so many people out there. It's hard to really distinguish yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean- We've both had, like, he had an internship at Nesson. I do this, like, United Way partnership where uh, I interview, I get to, like, interview NFL people. It's, like, their NFL partnership. So we both have, like, he had and I have a sizable internship. But it still kind of feels like we don't don't have anything guaranteed to us, that's for sure. Um, It is really competitive right now. And then we're also about to graduate in the middle of a pandemic. So that should be for us. but it is cool. Like I was able to get writing experience. We both were by starting our own blog. Like we were able to write for ourselves and kind of test the waters and, and learn how to develop that way without like needing a big spot to like platform. We were able to build our own. So I, I think it does even out a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it, it's uh, look, and then if you can build any sort of following and the, the trick I think now is to do it consistently. 
Yeah. yeah. So because once stuff is consistently out there, people see it. And then if they like it, they'll go back to it. Right. And then if it's not consistent, they won't go back. You know, and mm -hmm. so that which is a challenge. It's hard because the internet's twenty four seven. You know, again, when I started, there were real parameters as to how it all worked and newspapers had a certain amount of power and local TV had a certain amount of power and the internet came along and just blew all that out of the water. Right. I mean, it was, you know, when you're in the newspaper business, it was a clear deadline. You would write the story at the end of the day, people would wake up in the morning and see what the news was. And now it's just constantly flowing. And so it's hard to keep up with it. And, um, you know, I still think the schedules matter, like, or can help so that if someone's putting up a blog and you do, you know, every Tuesday and Thursday at noon, we put it up or like to have that sort of structure, I think really helps, but it's just so hard to distinguish yourself um, that it really takes something kind of, you know, off the wall or crazy or exceptional in terms of information. And you know, which is the other thing, right? Like, it used to be that a scoop mattered right? Mm -hmm. and you would have it for a couple of days. Like you would break a story on Tuesday and then the rest of the week, every, because it moved a lot slower, everybody would spend time trying to catch up. Mm -hmm. And um, so you'd get that story, uh, that story in a much slower pace. Uh, and it would just kind of evolve. Now it's, you know, it hits Twitter at 10 AM by three <sighs> o'clock. It's over. Right. You know? It's like, yeah. it, it's, you know, it's when crazy. I say it's over, meaning like people have responded, you know, people have shot back, like the whole thing plays out in 10 minutes. It's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, you know, that really changes the shelf life of a story and yeah. scoops don't mean what they used to. They, they really don't. I think that is perfectly said because like you said, Twitter has kind of, in a sense, ruined it in some ways because yes, yeah, right. we're, get, yes we're getting news faster, which is a good thing, but the, that news is now kind of you know dying off as the day goes on because like I feel like for example over the past uh, week Le'Veon Bell getting cut and then signing with the Chiefs was a big deal but now no one's talking about it already like, I mean like you know so yesterday you wake up and it's the Patriots are one of the teams that are interested uh, in Le'Veon Bell yeah and then two hours later, it was Buffalo, Kansas City, and Miami, and the Patriots were out. And then by the yeah. end of the day, he's with the Chiefs. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, like, typically, that's the kind of thing that would have played out over days. You know, and in a series of hours, it was done. That's it. Yeah. And now we know he's got to go through COVID protocol, and he can't play till next week. Right? right. So, like, you know, it just it happened so much faster. And, um, and I think there's, there were good things about that and bad things about that. You know, the, the speed aspect of it leads to mistakes and everything. The faster you go, the more mistakes you make. And the more you try to do it one time, the more mistakes you make. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but I think we've learned to live with those. You know, you take the, the bad with the good. And I think there's a trade-off there with, um, with Twitter. And like, again, you got people shooting back at one another and all kinds of stuff. It just, it moves so fast. It moves so fast. And, you know, again, people uh, your age are probably used to that. But people right. like me who had to, like, all of a sudden it was like, whoa, how, how, how do we, you know, how do we manage this? And mm -hmm. it took a while. Yeah, it took yeah. a while. Certainly. And on the radio, I can imagine that sometimes being a good thing and sometimes being a bad thing because, you know, you guys want to go into depth on a certain topic. But before you know it, there's another topic to go into. Yeah, so we try to, you know, we try to manage that on what the, 
what the most popular topics are. And right. so, you know, and I think the whole media world now has, does it this way. You know, it used to be that your job was to report the news, right? Yeah. Now, now the job is how do we get clicks and traffic and because it's all, the, the, those are all what the revenue models are based on. It's how do we make money, especially with all these people thrown into a pile? How do we distinguish ourselves and make money? So on our show, it's a little different, you know, um, but because the, the, usually we try to, if there's a story breaking, we can digest it as we go. If there's not, and most days there isn't a breaking story. Right. We just try to uncover details or angles on that story that might be interesting from a discussion standpoint. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that was a big, talk radio was a big adjustment for me because the newspaper business, again, moved slower. It was more about the information flow. You could pick your words carefully. You know, radio is turn it on, go for four hours and don't screw up, you know. <laughs> And, and, and I, I say that happened just because we screw up all the time. And there's a, so I, you know, and I had to learn that, like, it's okay to screw up because it's kind of entertaining when you screw up. Yes. So, so you try to just laugh it off, but it was, a, you know, that was a huge change for me. Huge. Uh, so you got, do you guys do uh, like any broadcasting at all? Yeah. Yes. So we, um, Basically, when we got here freshman year, I've told this before on this thing, but it's like, basically, we had like a table and there was three mics and we had this, there was another kid our freshman year and we did this radio show. We didn't know how to like broadcast. So our, the way we could get through an hour show, which is what we had, we had one hour a week. Um, we, it was about football and fantasy football. And the way we got through the hour is we basically took a bunch of stats and then we just like read them as if that was like, <laughs> top 10. So like, we'd be like, here are the top 10 quarterbacks this week. And then we just, just so we get used to talking and then. It was bad. <laughs> yeah, it was horrible. And then we felt though towards the end, like a lot more comfortable. We relied a lot less on like having stats and being able to like, we were able to talk more. So then the spring we started a show called Around the Diamond. It was mostly baseball, but we tried to cover pretty much everything. And, um, that's when we went from like, I mean, over the course of the years, we went from like having like pages of like stats to like, we would just write like Patriots recap. And then like, we just talked based on like what we, and like we had stats if we needed them, like we knew when to use them. But um, the only time we really relied on that was if we were doing like MVP productions and we we're giving arguments back and forth. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. well, you know, and that's basically what we do daily. I mean, we, we make an outline. And, yeah. uh, you know, and we, we send each other notes in the morning, you know, that, uh, for example, and, and, you know, I don't know that we're going to end up talking about this today because he, Murray changed his mind, but he found a story that had all these analytics about how the Patriots pass defense this year has been one of the worst in football. You know, when they played, uh, so they were surprised. He found a column that was surprising statistics about each team in the league. And on the Patriots, it was that their zone coverages have been awful. And Great. so, uh you know, so what you do is you jot down a couple of numbers and then, because radio really is about the uh, opinion and the, the presentation of it, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So you could say, you know, I mean, if you just treat it uh, verbatim, it's, well, they've been really poor in zone coverage and which, uh, you know, is surprising given the talent they have. In the set. Or you right. can say, 
would you believe this story? They're last, last. That is br- <laughs> with Stefan Gilmore, with Devin McCourty, with Bill Belichick, right. they're last. Can someone please tell me how that happens, right? Yeah. So, you know, you, you, the presentation of it matters, right? The presentation mm-hmm. matters. And uh, so it becomes much more antagonistic, mm-hmm. bombastic, emotional, uh, because at the end of the day, you know, the person driving the car can only hear your voice. Right. So if your voice is really monotone, slow, that person's going to react slowly and then, you know, in yeah. a real sort of, and at the end of the day, they're going to say, this is putting me to sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if your voice is up and down and there's passion and emotion and anger and laughter and then all of a sudden it's, it's, you know, Oh, this is actually fun to listen to. And um, so that's sort of the idea, right? Cause, but you know, look, I, I mean, I did the same thing at the beginning. I, I go back and I'd never hosted a show in my life when the base, when I started doing the baseball reporters on my own, that was only an hour. Mm-hmm. And the, it was a, you know, the beginning was like, I, I, I didn't know what to say, when to say, like it was you know, all over the place. Uh, and it's taken a long time to sort of figure that out. You know, Mike had done, years on ESPN 890 AM before we went to the sports hub. So he was a little more familiar with uh, sort of the whole, not a little more, a lot more with the whole process. And um, it takes a while, but getting used to that mic and the fact that people are listening and I mean, all of that is a huge adjustment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we definitely have, I think the night and day difference between like freshman year to senior year. And then also sophomore year, we try to do, uh, like interviews and stuff and uh they were so bad like we interviewed Fourier was the first person we ever interviewed and it was literally just like ask a question don't even comment on what he said ask the next question like it was (laughs) we were just we didn't know what to do at all and I think like it's it's so much easier now just in all those aspects and we also like I said we started the table but then uh winter break freshman year we came back or we came back from winter break and they built an entire studio that we had no idea was happening because we weren't oh, like cool. super involved. And so then that's when we really like, once we were in that environment too, I think that helped us step up. We had the real equipment we needed and uh, yeah, but we, we really like doing this stuff. We love writing, like writing is obviously like fun for us, but the interviews and all that stuff has been, uh, I think what I get most excited about. Oh, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, so I guess we sh- uh, will go on to the next question. It's very, it could go e- anywhere. I know you were talking about luck earlier and I think we, even in our last interview, um, our guest also was talking about how luck can really help you in the long run. Uh, so I wanted to ask you if there was one tip you could give to someone trying to get into the industry of sports and journalism, media, all that, what would it be? Uh, so I would say, be patient, be patient Mm -hmm. and look like anything else, there's always competition involved. And so, you know, there were going to be a certain number of people in in any competition that eliminate themselves just because they really don't want to do it. You Mm -hmm. know, they think they do, but they don't. And which is okay. I mean, that's sort of how you find out. Like, you know, I used to, I, mean, I, I don't know if I've used this analogy in the past or not, but you know, when I went out from basketball in high school, the coach had everybody run sprints at the end of practice for the first two weeks of tryouts 
and half the kids dropped out before that was even over. Mm -hmm. Like they just didn't want to do the sprints. Right. And it's right. a, it was a sucky part of the deal, but that was it. He, it was his way of saying, I'm, you know, I'm going to weed this out because I can't keep all these kids. Some of these kids just don't want to run. They think they do, but they don't. And basketball is a game where you got to be in shape. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, and I would say in the media business, and again, it's changed, but you know, it's weekends, it's road trips, uh, it's night games, particularly when you cover a team, like whether it's baseball or, you know, and uh, baseball was a grind. And so the one thing I can say is, you know, I, I mean, and I, I don't think this makes me any different than anybody, but you got to make sacrifices, right? So if right. your friends are going out on a Saturday night and, you know, it's to a party and, you know, there's a game that you got to work, you work it. I mean, that's just yeah. the way it goes. And, uh, but it never felt like, you know, it never felt like a sacrifice to me because I really loved it. Yeah. So like, you know, there were things that happened on, you know, New Year's Eve or whatever that I would have to intern or work or, and it never really bothered me all that much. I mean, I wanted to be with my friends and my attitude was I'll show up after midnight and, you know, have a couple of drinks and that'll be mm -hmm. it. Right. Um, so, but the whole process takes a while. I mean, like I said, I, you know, I graduated college. I was 21. By the time I started working for the Herald, I was almost 22. You know, it was two years, I think, before I became full-time or maybe, let me figure this out. Uh, it, was, it was almost a year before I became full-time and then more than two years before they started really using me consistently as a writer. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, and then I would say after that, you know, I didn't get a start covering a beat, which was college basketball at the time until I was 26, going on really 27. Uh, and then they put me on the Red Sox that spring, right? So if you go back to internships, and again, the whole process took anywhere from like seven to 10 years, right? It's, it takes a while. And there's, you know, during that stage, you're probably not making a lot of money and, but you're doing something you like. It pays you back in different ways too. So I would say the big thing is just be patient. You know, you're not going to show up and be covering the Patriots, not typically. Um, and you know, you gotta grind. I mean, right. it, but, but again, I think that's true of any job. It's like, there's a grinding element to it. That is just, you got to show up every day and keep doing it. Even when things aren't going right and you get frustrated mm -hmm. and you got to stick it out. And, um, you know, usually if it's something that you, you love, you'll do that. Uh, if it's something you don't love, you'll, you'll find something else, right? right. You say, it's just not yeah. worth it for me. And again, that's mm -hmm. okay too. But it's just, yeah. uh, you know, you, you got to sort of come to that realization. And I'm, there's only one way to find out whether you really love it. And that's to sort of do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, see if you yeah. put up with all the other stuff. But, but the, the growth in anything just takes a while. It takes yeah. a while. It doesn't happen overnight. And you make mistakes. And you just kind of keep going and hope that you learn from it. Right. And then, you know, and as you get older too, you, you develop a little more patience and understanding and, and hopefully you get good friends and family that sort of give you good feedback and advice and you just keep plodding along. But I, the big thing I would say is be patient and make sacrifices, you know, right. and sometimes that means, you know, you don't get the assignment you want. Like, I mean, again, you don't cover the Patriots right out of the gate. It just doesn't it doesn't typically work that way. Right. And I think I think 
something like patience is something that a lot of people have to learn anyways, but especially in this industry, I know, I know from who we've talked to, everyone's had to a different road. They've all had a different road. They've started different places. And I think something I hear commonly, at least in, from what we've talked to is they, a lot of people start off with high school stuff. Yeah. And that is what I'm told to be like the big grind and people really understand and respect what they do because you really have to do a lot of your own work in that it's not, you don't have a, team to help you all the time you have to get to know the players so i i really do enjoy the idea of that especially before we even get out of school i feel like that's been a theme too for us like with this is the sixth uh interview we've done so far i think at least once everyone's brought up that it's going to be a grind that you're going to have to work weekends and um, especially the baseball people we talk to because obviously that's a 162 that's a real uh tough avenue but we both love baseball so i feel like that could be a path for us um i do think that's one of the things we're getting out of this directed study is uh the the work ethic aspect of it every single person there's not been one person that was like well it was pretty easy for me honestly i just like you know did an internship and then i was a red sox beat writer it's always been like you got to do this stuff first yeah it's just it, it you know again it takes a while that's all it takes a while yeah. And, um, you know, again, at that age, you have a lot of energy and you have a lot of ambition and which is good because you need it. Right. It's like it, it really is what um, keeps you going and can fuel you. And, you know, when I got assigned to the Red Sox, I remember thinking a beat guy, I'll, maybe I'll do a beat guy for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, who knows, maybe I, if it goes right, have the chance to write a column like that'd be yeah. cool. I covered the Red Sox for one year and I said, uh, 10 years is out. I'm not making it. <laughs> I'm not going to make it. It's yeah. But I, but I also didn't know how to pace myself. And like, you know, I tried to cover every game with the intensity of it being, uh, you know, an important game and you can't do it. You just can't do it that way. Yeah. I mean, it's just not, it's a marathon. Right. So and I got tips over the years from people who had covered it. Like, you know, there was a guy in Detroit who said to me, look, um, ask for the day off before a road trip. So if the team's leaving on Friday morning, don't work Thursday night. Like, pack up, you know, get ready to go, use the day to get everything in order and get caught up. And then you go to the airport Friday morning, you fly to your city, you check into your hotel, and you go to the game that night, right? So, you know, and don't work the day after a road trip, mm -hmm. you know, and so you, and then, you know, if the team you're covering is um, popular, like the Red Sox, where you got help. I mean, right. there was this, you know, there's other people that fill in and you rotate in and out. And so you lose touch and feel of what's going on with the team for a couple of days when you're away, but you regain that, you know, it's, you just have to accept the fact that it's not going to be perfect all the time. And so, uh, but again, that, that all takes a while. Mm -hmm. So, but I remember vividly after that first season, I was like, you know, I mean, I went right into it from college basketball too. And even the college basketball, when I was covering UMass at the time, at the end of the season, I got sick. I got some sort of virus that you had a really bad flu because I, I, I ran myself down yeah. and I wasn't getting enough rest and, you know, wasn't taking care of myself. And so I got sick. And, uh, and again, it was just a flu. It's not like I had to be hospitalized or anything, but I remember being like, 
fever and feeling like ill. It yeah. was just, you know, I just wasn't holding up. And so, yeah, as you get older, again, you sort of figure out how to pace yourself. Um, because not every game is, you know, game seven. It's just not. You, you, mm-hmm. can't, you can't go through life that way. It doesn't work. You'll never make it. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's a very important thing for us to learn because I know I want to be on a beat of some sort at least in my career. I don't know if that'll happen, how that'll happen, where it will happen, but I definitely want to do that. And I think that's something important for me to listen to is you know don't act like every game is game seven because then you'll you know beat yourself up. So thank you for that tip. <laughs> no, here's the other thing I'll tell you, and I don't know what other people have told you who, who you've spoken with. I'd be eager to hear. Um, but covering a beat, I think, is invaluable. And, okay. Um, especially if you can do it for any length of time. You know, I, one year I don't think is enough. I, yep. you know, I mean, I would say th- three to five, really mm-hmm. five would be better. Uh, because what happens is when you're around a team, you start to develop some relationships. Yeah. Um, you know, you understand, as I always say, how the machine works, right? Who's yeah. making the decisions, how that process works, what the politics are like behind the scene, when the team will tell you stuff and when they won't, you know, who's really on your side and who isn't. Yeah. And I just think it's a real educational experience. I mm-hmm. mean, I think part of the reason Mike and I can have some of the discussions we have is because we both lived it. So, you know, he can say, well, you know, Bill's saying this and here's what he means. Right. right. Or, you know, yeah, I, you know, when the Red Sox are talking like this, this tells me that they think they're okay in that spot. They need a second baseman. Right? <laughs> yeah. So like it, just stuff like that. And it, you sort of go on instinct half the time, but, but when you live it like that, I, I I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I think that that is a, a really important thing. Mm-hmm. If you want to do sports, covering a beat is really important. And I just think it's an invaluable thing to do. Yeah, and I don't I don't know about Scott. We've kind of talked about it a little, but I'm really willing to go anywhere to do that because, like you said, it's it's something where you can learn the most. You make those relationships. Uh, I, I know you asked like who we've had on. We had uh, the Mets beat writer Anthony DeComo for MLB. Okay. Uh, he was on with us. Uh, we've actually interviewed him twice. He's yeah. he's really good. Um, his insights excellent as well because you know he's been doing that for I think ten years. He said it was a long time. He's been with the Mets the whole time for MLB. Yeah. And then we also Chris Mason obviously has been with the Red Sox and the Patriots. I think his big thing was kind of like I asked we asked him more about like the relationship building like between yeah. players and like he told us stories about you know he's had a uh, he got like completely destroyed by uh, John Farrell a couple times trying to ask. And uh, and now he's dealing with Belichick, so that's obviously a, an extra struggle. Um, so we talked a lot about that. Um, trying to think for like beat writers, like Hurley doesn't do any of that. Carlton, we had Jeff Passon yesterday, which was really yeah. it was a huge. Um, yeah. He was really insightful for like the more like the reporting and and um, just like knowing like the backbone of the article and like he was that, that was really cool uh, what we got from him. Yeah, he's a great guy to talk to. I mean, you know, back way back when, Jeff, I think, was covering the Royals. Yes. When I, um, mm-hmm. you know, when I, I, I didn't really know him all that well. I didn't know him a little bit better over the years. And now, you know, occasionally I'll send him a message or whatever just to ask him about something he reported. And, mm-hmm. you 
you know, again, he, he and I don't even know each other that well, but, uh, but there's, we know who each other is. Right. And so yeah. he feels like he can be honest with me and tell me, cause he knows I lived it. Right. Right. So, and, and vice versa. And he, he's uh he's an excellent reporter. Excellent. Mm, he is. Yeah. And uh, you know, he had all kinds of great labor stuff and uh, you know, he was all over a lot of that stuff going on during the summer. And so, you know, you're talking to the right people. I mean, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, Jeff does a good job. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he was awesome. He was. He, yeah, he said we were asking the right questions, which are like that's a good. That's I'm good for us. We're building on something here because it's going to be good for us, especially. I mean, obviously we're the ones doing it, um, but they are also going to try and we're going to use as much information we can to help. Sure. So like. Yeah, and he's a good guy too, Jeff. He's a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah, he was awesome. He had to take a call and he came back. So, oh, like, cool. which Nando Tatis called him mid in uh, Zoom call. It was, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> that was that's very cool. Excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, well, so that you know that that's the thing is like, and I don't you know I don't deal with players much anymore. Mm-hmm. There's a few that you know I might keep in touch with here and there. Some guy, most of the guys that I talked to are retired. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, after a while, they're just people. I mean, they're just people. Yeah. So like when a guy doesn't play, you know, you sort of learn that, you know, I got to talk to this guy and he would say, well, look, I'll talk to you, but I don't want this reported. You Mm -hmm. know, I just, if you're going to report it. So a lot of stuff you do sometimes is behind the scenes and is off the record and you're just storing it away for a time that it matters. So the guy might say to you, look, of course I want to play. Who doesn't want to play? Yeah. Uh, you know, and I'm pissed off about it, but the team's doing well, so I'm not going to make waves about it because I don't think that that's right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and then if the thing blows up and he gets traded, now you've earned his trust. Maybe you have access to him and you can, you know, now maybe he'll comment on the record and say, hey, look, the truth is I've been upset for some time. I've just been biting my tongue. Right. Yeah. And so, so there's a lot of that. There's a, you know, when you're a beat guy, there's relationship building. There's, it's complicated. I mean, it, and you have to decide the value of something you know versus the value of your source. And, uh, you know, so that can get, which is why, again, I say, work in the beat. You'll mm-hmm. learn all that. Mm-hmm. You'll learn it all. So that, you know, when you're talking about something that Devin McCourty says publicly, you're like, yeah, well, that's what he's saying publicly. What's he saying behind the scenes? Right. Right. Because you lived it and you know. And, um, and that, that's why I think covering the beat is huge. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. yeah. I definitely... That's something, like I said, I want to do because having that idea of, hey, he's actually saying, possibly saying something different behind there and, like, this is the front, I think that's so interesting to me. And it's like the little things. I feel like if you're in this industry, you enjoy the little things like that. Uh, so, like, hearing, hearing, you know, you talk to one guy and then he gets traded, blows up, and then you can really report on that. I think that's – uh, that's just like so enticing to me. So yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, yeah no doubt about it. So we have two more questions. Sure. Um, one thing that I think is a fun one, just uh, and and people get I don't know. I feel like I don't have like an answer ready for this one, but okay. you could do whatever you wanted. Uh, you know, right now you get to like evolve your career somehow. What would you want to do? Like you could do TV, podcasting. I know you do like TV hits and and you're yeah. Doing- if you could do anything to expand, what would you want to do? Ooh. Um, <laughs> I'll do. 
<laughs> no, because honestly, like, you know, again, to me, it's about sort of balance, right? Like, right. you know, and I, what I have right now is pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I get yeah. to be a father and I get to be a husband. I don't travel like I used to. I don't work nights, but I still get to work in Boston, talk sports. Um, you know, it's a job that gives me plenty of exposure. So, I mean, I'm pretty happy. Like, yeah. now, if you were to say to me, how, you know, how I might feel when my kids are older and they're off and what, you know, or in a perfect scenario, like, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm just thinking, like, if, if Mike and I, I just think we have such a, the, the show works so well together with all of us right. that if we could ever do it nationally, great. Yeah. Uh, and when I say nationally, I mean, I always joke about this, but like, I don't want to leave Boston. I don't, you know, I'm, I like our station. I like the people I work for, I like the people I work with. So if they want to take what we're doing and put it on satellite, great. Like I'm okay with that too. Like we'll, we'll still broadcast here. And I know people can pick us up on their phones and everywhere else now or whatever. Um, But, you know, but at the same time, like I would tell you a national show, I, I'm a Boston guy. I mean, I grew up here. And I care about the Red Sox and the Patriots and the Celtics and the Bruins. And uh, so, you know, I'm just not going to care about Ohio State football like I do those other things. Yeah. So, you know, for me right now, I'm in a pretty good spot. I, mm-hmm. I really mean that. And, you know, and like, you know, in these grand fantasies, you say, well, would I like, you know, would I like to make what Howard Stern's making? Well, sure. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but I'd prefer to make that doing what I'm doing, where right. I'm doing it, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to uproot and go to wherever. And I don't know that you even have to do that in this day and age anyway, but you know, I mean, if something somewhere down the line, that's another challenge that I haven't done and would challenge me to, you know, maybe do care about college football, whatever, would I be interested in it? Maybe, but I, I'm, I'm pretty right now where I am. I'm pretty happy. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that sounds right. I think I think our past two interviewees has made that kind of tough, Jeff, and now you, because you you have done the beat, and now you're in the spot, like you said, where you could be a father, but also talk about you know Boston sports, which you know sounds like a perfect situation, and you get to be on TV also when you want to, and I mean your show's on TV any as is so. Well, right. I mean, so there are a lot of elements to that. And, you know, again, I, I worked as a beat guy. I worked as a baseball columnist. I wrote a general column. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've done books. Uh, so there's a lot there that I've been able to, to do along the way. Um, you know, and, and I've been lucky to do, right? And, yeah. you know, even some events outside of the obvious stuff, like U.S. Open golf tournaments. And, you know, the Patriots have played in a bunch of Super Bowls. Just being here. Right. has exposed us to all that because the teams have been so successful. So, you know, if we were working in Milwaukee, I don't know if we would feel that way, right? Yeah. We want something bigger, but Boston's such a major market when it comes to sports that you do feel like there's a national element to it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so it's the exposure here is not, it's not minimal. I mean, it's, it's pretty significant and knock on wood, man. I like, you know, to, to live during the time we've lived and cover the teams we've covered and the people we've covered and the stories that we've talked about and all that, we've been really, really lucky, really yeah. lucky. So mm-hmm. I, I don't want to get greedy. I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, yeah, you know, 
I want to go toe to toe with Stephen A. Smith every morning, like, <laughs> whom I love, by the way. Yes. Like, it, it, just a wonderful guy. And, uh, and he would completely undress me on national television. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm good where I am for the most part. Yeah. Uh, so my, my final question for you, you, you talked about books and I, I had to ask this. I had to ask this. This was like, sure. this was the number one one I wrote down. How yeah, no is it worries. work? By How the way, is... you guys should feel free to ask anything in all seriousness. I won't be, I won't be offended. You know, one of the yeah. things this job has taught me is be ready for anything and people, you know, it's, right. don't take it personally. Yeah. How was it working with David Ortiz on his book? Yeah, it's just a massive, like, crazy human being to be able to work with in this area. <laughs> so, yeah, look, I mean, I, you know, I enjoyed it. It was, he was still playing at the time. And, right. um, you know, look, that was a long time ago. I wish the book had come out a little bit better. He obviously did another one since then. Um, and, but when you do a collaboration like that, it's really his book. And I just have yeah. to kind of, you know, work around it. Um mm-hmm. He's a, you know, I mean, he's a giant personality, just giant. I mean, everything you see is pretty much what he is. He's pretty authentic and uh, really good hearted, warm, uh, easy guy to be around. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that I liked about him is he also wasn't perfect, right? He didn't try to be perfect. I mean, he wasn't afraid to show you that he was mad or, mm-hmm. you know, and I always got along with him pretty well. I, I, you know, I haven't talked to him in a long time. When I started doing radio, my job changed. And, you know, I mean, we're critical of everybody. So I can't imagine he was all too eager to speak with me anymore. <laughs> uh, but I can tell you that at his core, I think he's a good hearted guy. Yeah. Uh, I think he treats people well, you know, I think that, um, you know, again, he's not perfect, but I always, uh, I, he was, he, he was just easy to be around. I mean, he was easy to be around. And again, I would say that of a lot of those guys that I covered, you know, they were, when you're around good teams, generally the chemistry and the environment's good. And, you know, uh, I mean, you know, I worked with Ortiz on that project, but I, I would also say, I don't know him any better than I knew a lot of the guys I covered, you know, uh, you know, Pedro was just one of a kind. I mean, yeah. was, you know, and he and Ortiz are really similar in a lot of ways, you know, it's mm-hmm. from the same country, obviously. And, um, you know, in a lot of ways had stories where they had either failed to a certain point in their careers or people doubted their ability. And, uh, and then they came to Boston and, you know, Pedro was good before he came here, but, but he really hit his height here yeah. as did Ortiz. Right. And they won and they won. That's the big thing is they won, they won championships. So, you know, Pedro certainly won uh, the one, um, you know, Ortiz won what three of them, right. He wasn't on that 18 team. Yeah. So, you know, their, their profile change and all that, but one of the best parts of the job has always been the, you know, the people and the personalities you meet and they're from all over. I mean, yeah. and now it's uh, you know, you looked across the Red Sox, infield a couple of years ago and it was or even recently it was you know devers at uh third who's dominican uh bogarts who's a reuben yeah. you know they had uh mitch moreland at first base who's obviously american uh christian vasquez behind the plate was from puerto rico these guys are from all over the world not to mention the, yeah. the influx of asian players and over the last couple of decades um you know it's just all over the world. So you meet a lot of different, and you throw all these guys in a room and you tell them now go win a championship. Right. Right. 
So that's always, uh, to me, was always one of the cool parts of the job is meeting those personalities and seeing what made people tick and how they yeah. dealt with the pressure and the day-to-day and what their personalities are like. That was always cool stuff, you know. Yeah. It's one of the parts I do miss a little bit about the job. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, you know, like I said, if you ask me, do I miss being at the ballpark or would I miss being at home with my wife and kids more? I, I tell you the second thing. Right. Absolutely. I, I, I can imagine that, especially cause you know, ballpark days can be long days. Uh, yeah. And, and look again, like, you know, when I was in my twenties, I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. So I wanted right. to work all the time. Right. Exactly. You know, and that was the yeah. time to do it. And then, yeah. you know, I get into my thirties and met my wife and, you know, things changed right. uh, as they do for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, you just got to find what fits your life at that particular time. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I think that's something important for us to get a grasp of now because, you know, we're young, COVID doesn't help at all, but we'll figure it out as we go. That's that's the plan, at least for me and him. We'll see what we can do. That's kind of why we're doing this show, because, yeah, we know in a few months we might be in trouble. There's not going to be as many positions open, even less than usual. So at least, you know, making these connections, talking to some of the more talented people in this industry is really important to us because it can only better us. It can only help us learn. It can prepare us for the next step. So I really do uh, appreciate you coming on here. Oh, please. You're welcome. And listen, here's the good news for the COVID thing. It's not like some of you have to deal with it and some of you don't. Right. Right. It's the same for everybody. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's like they say, you know, when when, uh, there's bad weather in a game, what are you going to do? Blame the weather? The other team had to play it too. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's so true. So, so uh, the good news is that it's affecting everybody. It's not just you two. The bad Mm -hmm. news is it's made it, you know, more difficult for all of you. No question about it. Yeah. 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 I think for us too, we're definitely trying to use this time to be productive however we can. And a lot of that is, you know, I, our, our, uh, classmates definitely aren't doing what we're doing with this and, and oh, good. we get a lot going on with that and then internships and we're just trying to kind of push it a little bit, see what we can do that other people aren't doing, not just go to class and come home. Right. Really show what yeah. we can do. I mean, like I said, you know, keep at it, keep at it and be patient and generally you'll, you'll be fine. Yeah. You know, that's all I, I mean, I wish I had some like profound secret to share with you about well here's how here's what no one will tell you uh, yeah i don't you know i wish i did i don't again there's a lot of good fortune involved um but the real thing is just keep at it because all you can do is be ready for the opportunity when it comes might come soon might come late yep. who knows uh but you just right. have to be ready mm-hmm. for when it comes and and all you can do to get ready is to keep grinding at it and try to learn and try to you know, use experience to your advantage and, and learn from it. And, um, you know, the rest of it again is, I sound like Belichick. You can control what you can control. <laughs> you know, it is what it is. It's true though. It's true though. Uh, I do, I do take that into consideration. Like, yeah, we're just going to have to keep working hard and hopefully our time will come as, as we're doing what we can do and what we can tr- control. I hope, I hope it works out. So, yeah, thank you for that because I feel like I feel like a lot of people not in this industry don't understand at times how hard it is because people are like, "Oh, you're just going to go to here and do the job." I was like, "No. 
I'm not going to just move across country and do the job. There's no, that's not like there's an opening. This is a tough thing to get into. They're like, Oh, you're not going to just go cover the Dodgers. No, that's one of the biggest market teams. And I'm straight out of college. I'm not just going to jump right in. So I think, I think that's important. I, I hope people get to hear this and learn from it because I know I did. So thank you for that. Oh yeah. No worries. Yeah. No worries at all. I mean, again, you know, you'll, uh, you guys will figure it out. It's just, uh, yeah. you gotta kind of just find your way as you go. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it's good to have, you know, like anything else, have an outline, yeah. right? Have an outline, but that doesn't mean you can't stray from the outline. Yeah. 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 Definitely gotta be fluid. Um, yeah, but, uh, thank you so much. Um, this has been awesome. Uh, we're really getting a lot out of this, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you guys are very welcome. And, and look, if something comes up, feel free to reach out um, by email or whatever. You guys have my email address, obviously, and I'm happy yeah. to, um, you know, to answer any questions or point you in a direction if you need that. Absolutely will. Like, I know I will. I know he will. So oh, thank cool. you. Thank you for that. Thank you for that openness because uh, I don't expect that out of anyone because you and guys are all busy. Good. It's a tough industry. You guys are balancing family and work. So I really do appreciate that. Oh, please. Yeah. No worries. And again, if I don't answer uh, right away, don't take it personally. It sometimes yeah. takes a little while. Yeah. No problem. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Tony. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Listen, be well. All right. Yes. Yeah. You as well. You as well. Okay. Have a good show today. Oh, thanks a lot. Thank you. Yeah. See you guys later. See you, Tony. All right. Bye-bye.